0: Hello, and welcome to This is Modern Rock. I'm Will Westerkow, and this is November 1989. I'm joined today by Frank Goulart.
1: Or is it Goulart? It's something very similar to that. Yes.
0: What do you put the emphasis on? The ghoul. The ghoul. Yeah. Yeah. And the art. Yeah, no, good. Yeah, equal (laughs) emphasis. Frank is a musician, guitar primarily? Guitar, yep. That's what I'm playing now. You play guitar in the PDX punk rock collective mm-hmm. you're in a uh, power pop band called yeah. Watchlist. list mm-hmm. that's three piece Yep. Mm-hmm. you've been playing for a while
1: yeah since high school started out playing bass and just eventually switched once i figured out that it was very hard to write songs on bass and mm-hmm. convince people that you actually had a song to deliver i can see that yeah, yeah. like hey i've got this new song it goes doom 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 doom,
0: and people would be like what they're like that's the pixies frank <laughs> okay cool well do you remember um november 1989 at all
1: well, I mean, yeah, it's a blur. I mean I was in I was in high school then, sixteen, seventeen yeah. years old. Can yeah. I
0: can I spark your memory? Topping the Hot One Hundred, number one pop song at the start of this month was Rock Sets, Listen to Your Heart. Right. Good were, one. Were you listening to that one? <laughs> well, I mean it was on the radio. Yeah. So I definitely heard it. Okay. So at the start of November nineteen eighty nine, pictures of Matchstick Men by Camper Van Beethoven was still the number one song for one week. But in the second week, The number one place was taken by a singer named Ian McCulloch. Do you know this guy?
1: From Echo and the Bunnymen, Mm
0: -hmm. yeah. Yeah, Echo and the Bunnymen. That was a pretty important uh, post-punk band, British. Mm -hmm. Prior to Echo and the Bunnymen, Ian McCulloch worked in a band with Julian Cope, who is another artist we featured on this program, and he later formed the Teardrop Explodes. In 1988, Ian McCulloch went solo, kind of figuring that the band would fizzle and fall apart without him. And in fact, they didn't. They picked up a new lead singer and just kept right on going, much to his dismay. Yeah, that I I didn't know that, actually. And, you know, I've actually heard mixed reviews about that. I've never listened to that album, The One Without Him, myself. I've read some reviews that say it's actually surprisingly good, considering his absence. And then I've heard Ian McCulloch himself say it was absolute garbage. (laughs) Uh, And that's one of the things that's interesting about Ian McCulloch. This guy is a renowned uh, loudmouth. In fact, his nickname in England was Mac the Mouth, hmm. but he's one of those guys that loudly proclaimed that his band was the greatest band that existed at the time. He would proclaim his albums to be the greatest albums ever created.
1: Well, you know, they had some songs for sure,
0: mm-hmm.
1: greatest of all time. I mean, if you're writing them, I guess they're close to you, so, yeah. so you believe it. But the guy can write a song. He can, or the yeah. band. That band could write a song for sure. Right, I mean, they had some big hits. So right. I mean, and with 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 hair like that, you definitely have to have an ego. So
0: yeah, uh, his hair is quite something. A product of the times. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a lot of hairspray. Emphasis on product. <laughs> yeah, emphasis yeah. on product. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So, what are they most known for? Echo and the Bunny Men, The Cutter, Killing Moon. I mean, that was a massive hit. Mm-hmm. I had
1: that record. I think I had the first one, uh, Crocodiles, which had like "Do It Clean" on it, which is a fantastic. Okay. Do It Clean's good one. Yeah, it's a really good one. And uh the guy can sing, he's got a beautiful voice. If you like moody stuff, mm-hmm. um if you like textures and and stuff like that, it's that's gonna be a, a great band for you. But the songs that uh really stick out to me are their pop songs mm-hmm. like two and a half minute, three minute pop songs. Yeah,
0: the singles. I believe Echo and the Bunny Man had a cover of People Are Strange by the Doors at some point. Haven't heard it. I...
1: but with the with the voice I can definitely see how they would do a song like that.
0: Mm-hmm. I want to say it was on the Lost Boys soundtrack. Oh, really? Maybe. Nope. I mean, <laughs>
1: that music was such a part of the 80s that you just, um, it really lives in that time. Yeah. When you listen to Echo and the Bunny Man, sorry, Echo fans, mm-hmm. but you know, it could have been right there, uh, some of that stuff on a Breakfast Club soundtrack. Yeah. And then when you look at what came right after it, mm-hmm. um, it would be interesting to see, you know, what the band did if they were around in the early nineties. I don't know them from the early nineties, but music really changed at that point. Right. Coming on the heels of, you know, nineteen eighty-nine was Nirvana. Right. And, you know, the sort of next wave of punk rock, really. Yeah. Where this whole modern rock thing seemed like this just window in time. Like the first wave of punk was definitely not around anymore. Mm-hmm. And then modern rock, which is a term people don't even Really use anymore, morphed exactly. into alternative. Right. And, but when you listen to those songs, some of those artists just did not sound like what came directly right after. So I wonder what that was like. Yeah. Um. You know, how do you keep up with all the sudden stuff that's happening on Sub Pop that sounds mm-hmm. nothing like what you you were doing?
0: Right. Yeah. And I and I wonder how much. You call it going solo. I wonder how much of that was just him trying to be a bigger star and and breaking out from the band. And I wonder how much of it was him recognizing that the sounds were changing and the times were changing and feeling a little trapped in the sound of his band and maybe wanting to explore some new ideas.
1: Yep, it's not uncommon. I mean, Paul Weller did the same thing to Mm -hmm. to the jam. He kind of thought he was bigger than the band from Mm -hmm. what I've read. Sure. And uh, I guess, not sure if that was true or not in the end, but...
0: Okay, well, let's let's uh, listen to this song. The song we're going to hear is called Proud to Fall. And this song, like I said, went to number one on the modern rock charts. And it stayed there for four weeks. This is from Ian first solo album called Candleland. Let's go ahead and listen to it. Here we go. Proud to Fall. I saw you in the distance, off But start to finish, I was...
1: I think it's a great song. Just a good, concise, condensed, mm-hmm. less than three minutes probably pop song. And, you know, I'm really jealous of his voice, actually.
0: He's got a really nice voice. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Had you heard this one before?
1: Yeah, I remember it. Yeah. Okay. It it still has that very 80s kind of sounding, you know, you all of that reverb on the, you know, the snare, mm-hmm. but it's it's a great song.
0: Yeah, I like it a lot. I think it leaves me wondering whether leaving Echo and the Bunny Men and going solo was totally necessary because th- this maybe sounds a little poppier, perhaps or a little less textured and atmospheric, but it, it essentially sounds like an Echo and the Bunnymen song to me. It could easily be the same group. Yeah. So I'm actually maybe
1: there was some other personality stuff going maybe, on. Maybe,
0: yeah. Some interband dynamics of some kind.
1: Yeah, those yeah. are those are complicated.
0: Yeah. And, uh, you know, he didn't actually stay solo that long. He went back to the band. Oh, did he?
1: Okay. Uh, he did, yeah. So what do they do with the other singer? They just He just says, hey, move over?
0: It's yeah, you know. give him the heave ho. <laughs> maybe one thing that does set this apart from a, an Echo and the Bunnymen song is perhaps it seems a little more overtly personal lyrically
1: Mm -hmm. he's definitely working through some stuff yeah for sure
0: uh okay well let's keep going our second band of the evening was unable to top the charts due to ian mcculloch staying up there but she managed to make it to number two and interestingly enough this is another famous front person front woman in this case who is going solo at this point and her name is deborah harry deborah harry of course was the lead singer of the band Blondie. Blondie the band was actually
1: massive, and Blondie was sort of more than uh, alternative radio or
0: modern rock radio. Blondie was really top 40. I would say almost everyone accepted them, right? Yeah. They had in their lead singer a photogenic, talented woman who definitely had some star appeal. They had punk roots that are going to you know, give them credibility in a more alternative crowd. They had contacts with early break dancers and graffiti artists and hip hop crowd, and then of course they just have some great guitarists and songwriters, and you know they write great pop songs. So it's a little something for everybody, I think. Yeah, and uh, even you know way
1: back when, just totally taking chances with music. Mm-hmm. I mean, like you like you said, just trying to disco, yep, uh, some reggae stuff. Oh yeah, um, rap. Yeah, her, uh, really early, yeah. early on, bold move for yeah. sure.
0: I was going to say, for those of you who maybe are not super familiar with Blondie, they're probably most known for their super big hit, Heart of Glass, or Call Me, mm-hmm. or Deborah Harry, does um, a legendarily terrible rap performance in the song Rapture. It's, I mean, it's endearing, it's hilarious, but, <laughs> and it's, it's groundbreaking in a lot of ways. And it was massive, too. Yeah, and it was, yeah, but it's... Uh, it's terrible. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I guess I can't disagree with you. It's hard to say though. It's hard to say anything that that she did was really terrible. Sure. Uh, because there's just an element of cool there. Mm-hmm. I remember seeing, you know, probably like in Rolling Stone magazine, a picture of uh, Joey Ramone in bed with Deborah Harry. Mm-hmm. And you know, I was a teenager at the time, and I was like holy shit, like, you know, because Blondie was just beautiful, you know, oh and every gosh, teenage yeah. boy's sort Air- of wet dream. And I just thought, man, there's something to this music thing. If I can just keep playing guitar, maybe something like that's available to me. Sure. If Joey Ramone
0: can get there. Right.
1: If this know. degenerate can hang out with Blondie, maybe there's hope. Did it work out that way? Not, well, I mean, sure. <laughs> yes,
0: of course it worked out. <laughs> so in 1989, she's releasing her third solo album called Deaf, Dumb, and Blonde. That's deaf, D-E-F. Hmm. So she can't hear. She's just super funky. <laughs> and she's 44 years old at this time. I mean, that's old. That's not old. But like for a pop star? Well, kind
1: of I would I would think uh, especially for MTV, mm-hmm. um, that seems old. But again, she didn't look it. So it, yeah. did, it probably didn't matter so much for her. But that's right. No one cared. No one cared.
0: <laughs> she's Deborah Harry, man. Right. How about that title though? Deaf, dumb, and blonde. It just doesn't seem.
1: I don't know if that'd fly now. Uh, you know the the uh, the blonde stereotype. Mm-hmm. Um, you'd probably get a lot of people. You know their knickers in a twist over that. Sure. You know.
0: What about from the deaf communities? that they can't hear?
1: So. Okay.
0: Um, but thankfully, it's it's def. <laughs> what about the, what about? That's what I meant actually. What about the deaf def community? And see <laughs> I, don't, here. I don't know what def <laughs> deaf is though. Oh, you remember like Def Jam. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I don't know what that meant either. You meant Def Leopard? Yeah, what about Def Leopard? That's exactly what it is. Yeah. It, she's, um,
1: yeah she's, she's trying to cop that term. Uh-huh. I'm surprised there wasn't a Def Leopard lawsuit. That yeah. would definitely go down now.
0: Yeah, I think you're right. Okay, so Deaf Dumb and Blonde, 1989. Chris Stein co-wrote the majority of the songs on this album with Deborah Harry. Also in Blondie? In Blondie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So in that sense, this should be kind of like a Blondie album. But the song we're going to hear called I Want That Man was written by Tom Bailey and Alana Curry, who are both members of the Thompson Twins. And the Thompson Twins uh, are probably best well-remembered these days for their hit song, Hold Me Now. Yep. But I like to remember them best for the fact that the Thompson Twins had their very own video game. Really? It was called the Thompson Twins Adventure, and it was based on their hit song, Dr. Doctor. Doctor. Oh yeah, and <laughs> and the best thing about this is the format it was delivered on. It was called a flexi disc. It sort of looked so like it was like a home video game. Yeah, not an arcade game. No, not an arcade game. It looked kind of like a floppy little record, like a little forty-five, and you had to somehow transmit this to your computer. And so one of the ways to do that would be to record the information from this flexi disc to a cassette, and then take your cassette, and then maybe if you had like one of those old computers on like Commodore 64 or something. My first computer, yeah. Yeah, you could put that cassette into your computer, and then you've got yourself a Thompson Twins video game. So many people wanted to play this game, and they just couldn't figure it out.
1: No, I mean, it sounds ridiculously complicated. <laughs> yeah. But again, Yeah. wow, uh, very forward thinking.
0: Yeah, one more thing I'm gonna say about this song. The song called I Want That Man, years later, in 2004, A disco version of the song was featured on the soundtrack to an Australian film called Strange Bedfellows with Mm. Paul Hogan. And this is basically a comedy about two straight men who have to pretend to be a gay couple in order to get benefits from the government. And if that sounds familiar to you, that's probably because it's the same premise as I now pronounce you Chuck and Larry. (laughs) (laughs) So I Know Pronounce You Chuck and Larry is an Adam Sandler and um, Kevin James comedy. Okay. Comedy in quotation marks. Uh-huh. Did you catch that one? No, I didn't no. catch it. I'm sorry. Yeah, I, I somehow saw like the first 10 minutes. You saw the first 10 minutes? Yeah. And <laughs> you, you I, just decided that was enough? Oh my gosh. I don't know how I ended up watching 10 minutes of it, but horrible. <laughs> and uh, no uh, disco version I, of that song? And I didn't hear one. They didn't, they no. didn't, they didn't bring that.
1: Well, you only saw 10 minutes. So.
0: Yeah. It could be in there. I think a lot of people were kind of outraged at that Adam Sandler movie, and maybe, you know, rightfully so, but um, somehow the same movie with Paul Hogan set in Australia, it I'm okay with it. I don't know why. Paul Hogan, crocodile guy?
1: Yeah, crocodile dundee. Yeah, I mean, there was no way I was going to get that wrong, by the way. I right. mean, let's see, Australia, Paul Hogan, must be the crocodile. Yeah,
0: exactly. Yeah. Isn't everyone from Australia just the crocodile guy? I think so. Yeah. yeah. Think we just <laughs> lumped that all together. Yeah. yeah. Okay, whatever. Let's listen to this <laughs> song. Uh, Deborah Harry... I want that man.
1: I mean good effort. Uh, not not <laughs> not the best song uh, I've ever heard. Yeah. Pretty cheesy. Mm-hmm. Um, not a lot of guts to it, you know. That's it really is not uh, it's not very hard rocking at all. No. Um, sounds very
0: synthy. Yeah, you know what it sounds like to me? It sounds like Deborah Harry went to the keyboard store at the mall mm-hmm. from Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. And then the guy working there is like, "Check out this new model we've got." He like did a little demo for her, and she's like, "That's my song. I'm just gonna sing over that." <laughs> well, I didn't know it was written by the Thompson Twins, but um
1: after hearing that, you know, maybe I can see that perhaps
0: you know, yeah, I don't necessarily hear Thompson Twins, but I don't hear Chris Stein Deborah Harry, yeah, yeah.
1: Again, it sounds like the '80s, but there, it's got a couple of really kind of irritating moments to it. You know, the beginning with that little drum, digga digga digga, uh-huh. like they've heard on like a lot of songs at that time, and yeah. you know the little guitar squeal. Yes, Um, like they got a studio guy in there to do the squeal or something. Mm-hmm. The squeal, and even even the vocal delivery is. Not up to what Blondie would have delivered um, back in the day, right? Her voice didn't crack once. You know, mm-hmm. you can tell that she wasn't pushing a ton of air out. Mm-hmm. Just kind of flat. Yeah, the, the song has its moments though. You know, yeah, the, I didn't cor- hate the chorus it. is
0: pretty fun. It's it's fairly catchy. It's yeah. you know it's fun, but it's slight. Blondie has their share of songs where I would say the lyrics are maybe a little silly, mm-hmm. but I'm very forgiving about that partially just because Debra Harry's so cool and Blondie's so cool as a band, but also just because the music is so good. Here, I feel like the lyrics are silly and maybe not very good, but because the music is not up to the standards of a a Blondie song, I feel like I notice it more and it detracts from the song more than it would otherwise.
1: Yeah, I I wonder if it was just produced differently. Would we be hearing other things that we we liked about it? But it's hard for me to get past some of the choices they made when they played Mm -hmm. those tracks down
0: yeah do you wish they had spent their time making a blondie video game instead of this song yes pinball oh that would be fun
1: i would love that maybe there is there seems like there very well could be i mean there's a rolling stones pinball i've not
0: played that but i've played the guns and roses and I love it. That seems totally appropriate that there would be a Guns N' Roses pinball. They had game. it at the bowling alley where I grew up. What song does it play? Mostly Appetite for mm-hmm. Destruction. Right. You had to collect the band members. And I could never get past Matt and Duff. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you had to work your way up. Yeah, like, I, I never got myself yeah. some Slash or right. some right. Uh, axle. Yeah.
1: That's, no. that's You got to score a lot of points for those guys. Exactly.
0: Okay, so um, moving on. We've got a band that peaked at number three in November. And this is a band called Depeche Mode. Mm. Depeche Mode formed in 1980. The band's name is often erroneously cited as meaning fast fashion. But in fact, it was derived from a French fashion magazine. And it means something more along the lines of like fashion update or fashion dispatch or something like that. Your French lesson for the day. Thank you. You're welcome. That'll be uh, my next dinner party. I'll yeah. How do you say out. you're welcome in French?
1: I should have followed that up with. Uh, we should probably all know that. I don't yeah. know. Can I call a friend? Bien
0: sûr. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oui, oui, we. Oui. Okay. So the band was originally started by Vince Clark, later of Erasure, and his schoolmate Andy Fletcher and Martin Gore. And they briefly played together in a band called Composition of Sound. Fast forward to 1989, Vince Clark is long gone. Depeche Mode are coming off the success of Black Celebration and Music for the Masses, and they follow those up with their landmark seventh album, Violator. And Violator was a critical and commercial success. It went on to become Depeche Mode's first platinum album in the U.S. And we're going to hear their lead single, Personal Jesus. Are you a Depeche Mode fan at all? I have never been a
1: Depeche Mode fan, and definitely not a fan of this song okay oh really so <laughs> let's you, hear it
0: so you you, you know their work some of their work i mean yet. you know only
1: song. only from only from the radio and yes i, I know the song because yeah. it was hard to avoid the song it was so huge
0: okay yeah and so yeah. you
1: were and uh, the music video and you know them in their cowboy attire and that sort of thing the cowboy attire yeah. yes definitely And people loved them I, um, I didn't
0: was this dislike of depeche mode uh click issue? Did they feel like they're part of a different group than you? Or was it actually a musical thing where you did not actually appreciate the type of music they were making?
1: I have always had a problem with music that is almost purely electronic. Mm -hmm. So probably just a genre thing, although not everybody. I mean, like, you know, I had an OMD record and I actually, and I liked it. Yeah. Um, But somehow, Depeche Mode, we never got along.
0: Okay. Now, I should point this out, what with you being a guitarist, that this is their very first song to use guitar as a main instrument. They should have used some chords. (laughs) That, you know, that might have worked. (laughs) But, you know, this song worked for a lot of people. Absolutely. Regardless. This went on to become... Warner Brothers' biggest-selling 12-inch single up to that point. And the title was inspired by something from a Priscilla Presley book that she had written about her husband, Elvis. She had described him as her own personal Jesus. Hmm. Would you want your significant other to... Worship you? Yeah, to think of you as, as their Jesus, their savior? Uh, boy... Probably not. That's a lot of pressure. It's one of those things you go like, of course, and then you think about, it, you know, well, <laughs> Yeah, I'm not sure I can not. live up to that kind exactly. of pressure. yeah. Yeah. Okay. Let's hear the song, and we'll talk a little more about it. All right. Here we go. Personal Jesus, Depeche Mode. Feeling you blessed by the
1: I mean, the song has some redeeming qualities to it. Like, right? mm-hmm. uh, it's it's got some repetitive stuff, which I think for pop song you need. The title obviously has a little bit of kick to it, right? Mm-hmm. It's it probably slightly shocking to some people. Yeah. Um. So it had a little uh, appeal there. You know, the the guitar tagline is you know becomes very familiar as you listen to the song. Definitely. You can tell it's got all of the you know ingredients mm-hmm. that it needs vocals, really difficult for me. Really? Yeah. Just, you know, sometimes you don't have to be a great singer, but there's a quality that that some singers have that make you want to listen to them, whether or not they can sing well or not. Mm -hmm. And for me, that, yeah, they just don't have that thing that compels me to want to listen to them.
0: That's fair. I would say, you know, it's a band for me that I think they've just written... A lot of good songs Mm. and it's maybe not in what I would say is my favorite genre and I certainly don't want to emulate these guys or dress like them or walk around having moody feelings but (laughs) but I I, you know I recognize the quality in their songwriting They, they can write catchy tunes and also if we want to look at just what they're doing with electronic instruments we can easily compare that to the Deborah Harry song we just heard and say Whereas she sounded like she was using the presets on her keyboard. These guys definitely are creating much more interesting sounds and textures. And Yeah, I
1: would agree with that. Like The Deborah Harry song just had a sort of generic sound to it.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So for sure, I expect people would consider them pioneers in this area.
0: Definitely, yeah. Even if you don't like this, it's clear why they were a massive band. Right. Yeah,
1: well, even even that song, you know, like I said, it, it just seems to have the ingredients that people would pick up on.
0: Yeah. Sounds so cynical when you put it that way.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I actually mean it as a person who has tried desperately to craft a good song. Not yeah. sure if I've ever made one. Yeah. Um, that there was a formula there that they were able
0: to uh, pick up on and deliver on. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I, I admire that. This song was notably covered a few times, so... When Johnny Cash was uh, working on his American Recordings, he recorded a cover of Personal Jesus as a B-side to his cover of Hurt by Nine Inch Nails. Yeah, well, also, uh, way to reinvent yourself. Definitely, yeah. In 2004, Marilyn Manson covered Personal Jesus as a new single for their Greatest Hits compilation. Then, even later in 2008, Hilary Duff released the single Reach Out, which sampled personal Jesus extensively. It's not exactly a cover. There's definitely changes made. There's, uh, you know, some wrapping going on. And she... Brilliantly changed some lyrics, so instead of "Reach out, touch faith," she says "Reach out, touch me." Mm-hmm. So she's really flexing those brain muscles of hers, really showing yeah. us what she yeah. can do—next level stuff. Yeah. So this is—I mean, this is clearly a song that has touched people, right?
1: Yeah. I mean, if if all those people are grabbing that song and and doing stuff with it, then... those are very
0: disparate artists. Yeah. Johnny Cash, Marilyn Manson, hillary Duff—shows you the impact of Depeche Mode. That's right. The importance of that band. Okay, we're going to move on to our fourth and final band of the episode. We're going to listen to a song that hit number seven, and it's by an artist named Tracy Chapman. So Tracy Chapman, if you don't know, she is an African-American woman, and she is a singer-songwriter. She released her debut album in 1988, and uh, it sold, let's say, respectably. But then she had signed up to appear in a televised special for Nelson Mandela's 70th birthday party. And this was going to be televised around the world with a possible viewership of something like 600 million people. And so she went on, uh, she played a short set, and I'm not even sure if her performance went out on TV because, uh, you know, there's multiple stages, that was not the big main stage. But then, as we get later in the evening, Stevie Wonder is set to go on main stage superstar artist and he has misplaced or lost or someone has stolen the hard disk for one of his synthesizers and he cannot perform without it It has Mm. all of his pre-recorded music and so everyone's panicking they need an artist to go on and Tracy Chapman volunteers she says I'll do a second set and so she goes on I'll do the whole thing over (laughs) well she plays a different set she plays Mm -hmm. um this time around she plays fast car and she's playing it on the main stage, and this goes out to a worldwide audience. And pretty much overnight, because of those two performances at that Nelson Mandela birthday bash, she rockets up the chart. Her album sells something like 2 million copies in the following two weeks. Fast car jumps near the top of the pop charts. And she was an instant sensation. People loved her. They loved her story. This was a, an artist who was very different from other people out there making a very personal type of music. So we're going to hear a song called Crossroads, which is not a cover. Where's <laughs> that Crossroad? I never know. This is not a cover of the Bone thugs and harmony song, okay. Crossroads. You don't remember that one? Uh-huh. <laughs> I feel like there's a lot of songs out there called Crossroad or Crossroads. I mean, even dating back to Robert Johnson. Does he have one? He must.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It, you know, Eric Clapton came later and did a Crossroads thing, I'm yeah, sure.
0: Yeah. Yeah. But this is not those songs. Good. This is a Let's Tracy hear. Chapman ori- original. Uh, okay, here we go. Tracy Chapman, Crossroads. All you folks think you run my life. So I should be willing to compromise. Say all you demons go back to hell. Save my soul, save myself.
1: there's anything redeeming there for me it'd probably be the lyrics mm-hmm. um not being really familiar with the song you know save my soul save myself things what she's saying at the end yeah so uh, clearly there's something there that uh, she wants to say
0: yeah it's, I, it seems like this is a, a personal song about people putting demands on her and asking things of her that are not true to who she is i think probably dealing with her success from her first album that's the impression i got yeah interesting she uh it's a little bit boring mm-hmm. to me,
1: uh, but to each his own, you know. Not my favorite thing to listen to. Probably mm-hmm. wouldn't put it on.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think that's fair enough. I I think I would probably agree that I'm not going to put this on very often. Musically, I don't think it's super compelling. And I don't think it's as catchy or as immediate as Fast Car. And yet, I think there's something I like about it. You know, I do, I do think uh, it's interesting lyrically. And, you know, I do think she has a very distinct voice. She sounds very much herself. Like yeah, the, no one
1: else sounds like that, yeah. Right. For sure.
0: But beyond that, I'll say this. This song being on the modern rock charts is one of the things that I love about the modern rock charts at this point in time. Even though this is not going to be the song that I want them to be playing all the time, I love that there's a home for it. I love that amongst... British people with guitars and gloomy keyboard playing people and holdouts from the New Wave era and all this other stuff. Yeah, you've there's, got
1: a folk artist that can slot in there as well. Yeah, there's,
0: yeah. Enough, there's enough kids who are interested in someone who's totally different and someone who's uh, singing with a political voice or singing message songs or singing um, something about topics that are a little more meaningful. There's people who want to hear that and there's if not a big market, there is a market for that. And I, I love that that exists and that that this is getting play and was able to go up to number seven on the modern rock charts amongst all these other... Yeah, other there's th- there's definitely a diversity of sound, right? Like a station I listened to
1: in the Bay Area, it, at one, one minute they could be playing you know, a Sex Pistols song, mm-hmm. and a few minutes later they might drop that in.
0: Yeah, and it's actually, if you look back at the charts, I think for this year, 1989... You'll see artists ranging from, of course, the stuff we played, but also Tom Petty makes mm-hmm. a small appearance. Somehow he's... Uh, nice. Nice. Also a way to reinvent yourself, Tom Petty, mm-hmm. and market yourself to um, a, a different group of people. That's right. Prince manages to scrape the bottom of the modern rock charts. Mm-hmm. Enya's on there briefly. This is... Um, you know... I was in a punk rock band that did an Enya cover. Yeah? Once, yeah. Was it the song? No, it wasn't that oh. sailing
1: song. Oh, God. It was a long time ago.
0: Okay. Okay. I, wouldn't, I mean, I wouldn't know, so if it's, if it's not that song, I don't know. I just played it. You want me to play what? Okay, let's do it. Was it Fast Car? <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, yeah. All right, well, we're getting close to the end of the year. We're, we should talk about that. This is almost the 90s. Holy smokes. A time when, when you can do anything you want and then say, cool it, man. This is the 90s. Right. Yeah. Is that how that worked? Yeah. This is the 90s, man. Get with it. <laughs> yeah, it's all different now. Yeah. We do what we want. Wow, that's exciting.
1: I don't really I mean that was Generation X, right? Like there wasn't this this feeling that like, oh we're gonna we can do anything we want now. It was more like are we all gonna have jobs? Yeah. Yeah, it was a little bit of a different vibe.
0: Yeah, it's the new it's the new decade. Are we gonna be employed? <laughs> Who's with me? You don't need a job, man. This is the nineties. <laughs> Okay, well, uh, Frank, thanks so much for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me. Thank you out there in uh, podcast land, all of you listeners. If any of you want to get in contact with me or Frank, you can uh, send us an email at thisismodernrock at com, And um, see you in December 1989.